Episode 21 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Always look on the bright side. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 21 of Fitness Behaviour, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and the benefits that come alongside it. It's funny, I, I, <laughs> that little saying I have at the beginning of every month, I have to practice it every time because I only do the show monthly, so uh, most of my other podcasts you're kind of doing every week, so you kind of it gets installed in your mind, but each month I have to kind of practice it, so anyway, I've just, the reason I'm telling you this is because I've just practiced it literally 10 times and, and kind of stuffed it up every time, so hopefully next month I can just nail it straight away. Anyway, how you been? Have you been having a really good month, and, and for those people who maybe discovered this so recently, you may have been listening to this in the future and listened to the last show yesterday, so who knows how it goes. It's um, I find you get a lot of new listeners, which is really great. The show just seems to be going from strength to strength, which is quite reinforcing for me around what I'm doing but uh, you get these people who kind of listen to all the episodes in kind of one big chunk and I imagine by the end they're a bit sick of me but that's okay hopefully you know then you kind of go back onto the month pattern so hopefully you're not too sick of me if you're one of those people. It's been it's been a really interesting month in um, my life and probably one of the most I don't know if stressful is the right word um, but emotionally hard months of experience in a long time and I'm going to tap into this a little bit later in the show because it's um it's it's been an experience which has been tough and it's made me really confront myself and uh I'm kind of teasing you with my life but um I'm going to talk a little bit around it because I actually think it's sometimes when you live a certain way you forget other ways of living and um it's made me really discover some things in myself which I'd like to share with you guys and and I actually think that maybe next month I'll do a show a little bit around the experience I've had and a little bit around, um, you know, how to deal with stress in healthy ways because I've had a really stressful month and and it's been very challenging for me personally. But if I can look back on this time, the one thing I can think that I've done well is that I've I've obviously over the years developed some pretty good stress strategies and, um, you know, if we think about weakness often, you know, in our everyday life we all have weakness but if when we're in a very stressful state is how do you deal with stress in a healthy way and I was talking with one of my runners the other day about this stuff that around how she deals with stress and, and it tends to lead her down a bad path and um, when we're in emotionally hard times in our lives, you know, we tend to go to this way we've dealt with stress forever and you know, and, and and within myself, luckily I've developed some healthy ways to deal with stress. And so, while this month has been a very challenging month for me, um, in some aspects, which I will share because you know me, I'm pretty honest. But, but um, in some aspects, I can look back and go, well, at least I didn't become self-destructive in the way I did that. So, well, this is kind of a funny tone to start the show on, but I'll, I'll touch a little bit more on it later on this show. But it, after the kind of the education of the show, but then maybe next month I'll deal a little bit more around. Um, you know, how do you deal with stress? That you know, emotional stress where you are feeling, you know, pain inside or hurt inside, or or you you're angry at other people, and uh, what's the best outlet in those situations that isn't actually self destructive to your behaviours and yourself and your world around you? So, I will share because you know that's how I roll. 
Anyway, this month's show, um, I've got a really interesting show for you this month, and it's uh, it's one I've been thinking about doing for a while, but it's one that took a little bit more research and a little bit more thinking around how to put it all together, and so um, I'm really interested to see what you guys think, and, and some of the work I've been doing with, I've been doing with some of my clients, and finding that it's it's really effective stuff, so hopefully you'll get some value from it, uh, and that'd be cool. Just a quick note, um, lots of people are still putting lots of great feedback on Facebook about the show, and, uh, and as I was saying, the numbers of the audience just seem to be going from strength to strength, and um, it was quite cute. The other day, I, was, I, I do a bit of... Um, like voice work at races and stuff that like I'll hype up the crowd and I call people and you know when you go to a running race or something there's always a guy on a microphone and and in my local area in Christchurch I tend to do a little bit of that stuff and I did it at the Christchurch Marathon last weekend and uh, which is really fun because you got like nearly 5,000 people just you know at the start line and you're kind of hyping up the crowd and it's a bit of a buzz but I met a listener and I, I can't remember her name but it was really lovely because she was just she was like she, she treated me really well and her energy towards me was so lovely and she kind of I don't know, she kind of treated me like I was a bit of a star and, and it was kind of, you know, like I don't think I am, I just think I'm an everyday person, but just to have someone to meet you and be kind of happy to see you in that way was, was really pleasant, what well, pleasant, was really nice. And uh, she said, she, oh, my daughter's going to be so jealous and she was just saying how she tells everyone about the show and I think one of the reasons the show was going so, so well is that you guys are spreading the word and um, so... And I keep doing it because obviously something I'm doing is helping people. And uh, and so if you can help me help others, that'd be really great. So keep spreading the word about the show. Send someone an email link. Maybe she'd send one of the favorite shows you've had. And uh, yeah, that'd be really, really great. Anyway, I think I'll... Uh I think I've teased you enough about my emotional life, <laughs> and uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. I haven't got my view today. I'm in my office, and it's pretty cold in Christchurch, and I've got my heat. I've got this little kind of oil heater sitting next to me right here in my office, and uh, but the problem is I've got like 20 layers of clothes on as well, so I'm getting a bit hot. So I might put it on pause, take a layer of clothing off, and then get started into the show. Here we go. Let's get into it. As you guys know, I'm, I'm, I tend to be a pretty massive consumer of content, and uh, you're always kind of looking for new ideas and new books and all the rest of it. And there's a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. Let me pull this up. I just got this in front of me here. Thinking Fast and Slow by a guy called Daniel Kahneman. Now, Daniel Kahneman is kind of pretty much the guru of economic sciences around psychology now well not even economic sciences because he's actually a psychologist but he, he's got a Nobel Prize for economic science because he's kind of the first person to look at psychology around economics and uh, and he's gone he's kind of like if you read a lot of books around psychology and sociology and all these types of things his work gets quoted a lot he's kind of the guru around this stuff and he brought out a book late last year or early this year called Thinking Fast and Slow and she's a pretty big read uh, I got the audio book and it's around 21 hours so and, you know most books tend to be around 8 to 9 so it was a pretty big read and, and there's lots of lots of great studies in there and to be honest it's, it's, it can be a hard read at times but generally a lot of the information in there is just kind of you know opens up your mind to you know kind of the, some of this stuff and so I was reading this book, and there's one part of this book which really, really blew my mind. Sorry about that bump there, but just bumped my Kindle. And 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 I listened to this book, this section of this book, and you know when you listen to a book and you get that moment where, or you read a book, or you, you see something and you just self-identify with it straight away. 
And I listened to this and it just kind of was like, whoa, this is so me. And so much so that that night when I went to bed uh, with Joe, I was saying, oh, baby, you know, you, you, this, they, it was almost like they were talking about me. And so I um, actually got the book out and showed her what she was talking about and she kind of agreed that, yep, that was totally it. So I thought I'd, I'd actually read, I'd quote from the book. So this is from the book Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And um, I'll just read it out to you. Optimism, it's about optimism basically. Optimism is normal, but for some fortunate people, they are more optimistic than the rest of us. If you are genetically endowed with an optimistic bias, you hardly need to be told that you are a lucky person. You already feel fortunate. An optimistic attitude is largely inherited, and it is in part a general disposition for well-being, which may also include the preference for seeing the bright side of everything. If you were allowed one wish for your child, seriously considering wishing him or her optimism. Optimists are normally cheerful and happy, and therefore popular. They are resilient in adapting to failures and hardships. Their chances of clinical depression are reduced, their immune systems are stronger, they take better care of their health, they feel healthier than others, and are in fact likelier to live longer. A study of people who exaggerated their expected lifespan beyond actuarial predictions showed that they work longer hours, are more optimistic about their future income, are more likely to remarry after divorce, the classic triumph of hope over experience, and are more prone to bet on individual stocks. Of course, the blessing of optimism are offered only to individuals who are only mildly biased and who are able to accentuate the positive without losing track of reality. Optimistic individuals play a disproportionate role in shaping our lives. Their decisions make a difference. They are inventors, the entrepreneurs, the political and military leaders, not average people. They got to where they are by seeking challenges and taking risks. They are talented and they have been lucky, almost certainly luckier than they acknowledge. They are probably optimistic in temperament. A survey of founders of small businesses concluded that entrepreneurs are more sanguine than their mid-level managers about life in general. Their experience of success has confirmed their faith in their judgment and their ability to control events. Their self-confidence is reinforced by the admiration of others. This reasoning leads to the hypothesis the people who have the greatest influence on our lives of others are likely to be optimistic and overconfident and to take more risks than they realise. The evidence suggests that an optimistic bias plays a role, sometimes the dominant role, whenever individuals or institutions voluntarily take on significant risks. More often than not, risk takers underestimate the odds they face. They do not invest sufficient effort to find out what the odds are because they misread the risks. Optimistic entrepreneurs often believe they are prudent, even when they are not. Their confidence in their future success sustains a positive mood that helps them obtain resources from others, raise the morale of their employees and enhance their prospects of prevailing. When action is needed, optimism, even in the mildly delusional variety, may be a good thing. Unquote. Now, now it's funny reading this, isn't it? Because I read this probably about three or four months ago, and uh, and as an as an optimist, I uh, I re- you kind of see what you you think, isn't it? And so it's interesting going back, and and one of the the things that he goes on to, and Daniel goes on to in his book, is about we we do want to live in a place of optimism, but the downfall of optimism is the risk factor that's evolved around that. That often optimistic people 
are the delusion is that they don't really see the problems that they are facing and because they always think it's going to work out um, that can lead to problems and so the kind of scale you're trying to balance out is to maintain optimism and this is for an optimistic person but at the same time to understand the risks around you and try to figure out you know a realistic realistic perspective on where you're trying to be and the rest of it so when I read this section, it really blew my mind. And especially that line, if you were to to wish your kid to have anything, optimism would be the thing. And and it was one of those click moments in my own life where, like I, I've kind of always known I've seen the brighter side of life. And uh, But it was one of those moments where you you read something and it's almost like they've written it for you. And, and you know, as much as some of the section I just read out may make you think that I'm cocky about myself, one of the, my favourite sayings is it always works out. And while I'm sure at times it frustrates the people in my life who are, who are less optimistic, um, you know, my experience of life is it, it kind of always does. And, and, and you know, I, I suppose I'll share a couple of examples of how my mind has worked to this point. And, and I've been lucky. Like, I remember as a kid, I'd always pick up stones and and I was walking home from school and I'd pick up a stone and I, I always love throwing at things. Even to this day, if Joe and I go for a walk, I'll, I'll pick pips off trees and throw them and aim at things. And I would aim at, uh, let's say I'd aim at a pole on the street and I'd be walking down the street aiming at the pole and I'd miss the pole, but I'd hit something else that if I was aiming at it, it would be an amazing hit. So I would think to myself, wow, that would have been a great shot if I'd aimed it at. Instead of seeing the fact that I'd missed you know the the target that I was aiming for, even a missing, I was able to see the brighter side of it, and and luckily, you know, I feel I'm lucky because I have this part of me in me, and um, you know, like when I think about starting a new business, I see why it's going to work, and um, when I look at you know moving towards a goal, I kind of see why it's going to work, and it's not that I, I think by now I've figured out how to get the risk thing right, you know, not always, and and definitely having people in my life who show me the risk and show me the other side is a really important part of me progressing. But as that brighter side of life, that glass half full thing, I definitely sit in that place. So you can kind of see in, 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 in some way why I've identified with that the message from that book. And, and what was really fascinating for me was, you know, like I went off in my head, you know, I, I definitely identify myself as an optimistic person. And, and also when I look at the people in my life, who have been the biggest influences, they tend to be the people who do believe that things are going to work out, you know. Um, and maybe this is my perspective of the world, but I definitely, you know, look at the people of my life who have been big influences on me and they tend to have shown me an optimistic view of the world. And so it's probably reinforced my thinking. But what's really, there's, there's one sentence in the um, section that I read to you before that really stuck in my mind really kind of you know really I just read that and I thought wow that's that's pretty powerful and and you know to wrap up that section it's really saying that optimistic people are a little bit delusional around how they see the real world and you know the downfall of that is that they often too too delusional that they take risks that you know can prove to be unsuccessful but the one thing that really hit me in that section was if you could wish your child to have any character trait, it would be optimism. And that really got me. If you could wish your child to have one character trait, it would be optimism. It really got me thinking about, is optimism 
Or can optimism be a learned behaviour? Because I know for me, like he talks about genetically, you know, if, you know, genetically, if you've got this, you know, he calls it a gift or this this thing of optimism, you know, you tend to, to end up in a better place in life and you tend to be more happier and you tend to achieve more. And that's partly just because you believe you can achieve more. Uh, you know, you optimistically, when you look at something, you go, well, I can do this. And, uh, and, and I know for me, I don't know if it's been a practice thing. I think deep down, I've kind of always been someone who's just seen things in, in the brighter way. But if there is so much value to being optimistic, can it be a learned behaviour? Can the people in the world who aren't so optimistic learn to be optimistic? Now, I'm not disregarding, you know, different different ways of living. I, I, there's obviously value to having pessimism at time and there's obviously value to, to other types of character traits other than just always being optimistic. But based on the work in Thinking Fast and Slow, there is obviously some value in having some amount of optimism in the way you think. Especially if you're someone who's the opposite of optimistic, who's always pessimistic. Because if optimism means that you see that you're going to achieve things which makes you move towards it, then it's the opposite. That pessimistic means you close off to new experiences and keep you in a shell which stops growth. Now, to be honest, I don't know if that is true, um, but it's a question that's worth putting out there. So then, you know, it got me really wondering, you know, if, if I could give my child one thing, if I could give him one gift and optimism, was it, and, and hopefully somehow find, you know, to teach him about risks as well. How do you learn optimism? How do you learn optimism? Now, for those of you listening right now who have optimism already installed in you, you may it may have been a learned behaviour, or, or you'll probably find for most people it's just it's the way you've been. But if we can acknowledge that a certain level of optimism is good for your life, and and definitely if we think around um, fitness and the idea of being optimistic around fitness for those who are struggling with fitness, then we can open up our mind to you know moving towards those, you know having a more successful attitude towards moving towards those things. But let's let's go back to basics. Let's just first of all consider what optimism is. So we kind of start in an external event happens in your life, and maybe an opportunity to do. A sporting event, it may be an opportunity to do to business or maybe um, an adversity within yourself, just something that's external of yourself will happen. Then you bring to it your belief around what's going to happen around that experience. So let's use the exercise experience. You know, you, you've you get you get someone from work come turns up to work and they say to themselves, they say to you, you know, oh, I want you to sign up and do this cool running race we're going to be doing it in three months from now, it'd be really fun to train for, you know, it's going to be heaps of fun, we're going to get everyone involved at work, and it's going to be a real great team building experience. So the opportunity has presented itself. Now someone with an optimistic view will then have a set of beliefs around what they can do with that situation. So they may look at themselves and might go, okay, well I'm not that fit right now, but you know what, I know that I can probably get out the door and do it. Um, I see this is a fun opportunity, have some good time with some friends, um, a good chance for me to get fit and healthy and so on. So they're going to see, their belief tells them that they can do it, and they're probably going to see all the reasons why they can make it work. 
Someone with a less optimistic view will tend to do maybe the opposite or have a different variation of thinking around that. So they, they may come along and say, okay, well, my belief is that, you know, I'm, I'm unfit. And, you know, all their thinking will go on to all the things that why they can't do it. You know, I haven't been out running for a long time. You know, I can't. I'm not fit enough. Everyone else at work is fitter. So their belief instills what's going to happen after that moment. When you have an optimistic view, you tend to see why it will work and why you can make it happen. And when you have a less optimistic view, I don't know if I always want to use the word pessimistic, but you know, I probably will just because it's you know it's easy. But when you have a tend to have more of a pessimistic view, you tend to find your beliefs will tell you all the reasons why you can't make this work. So you can see how the two different examples there of it's almost like the light you shine on the picture of your life. You know, when it's optimistic, you see why this picture can create what you want. And when it's less optimistic, you know, you see the total opposite of that. So really, at the end of the day, optimism is the belief you bring, bring to the response to external things that happen in your life. Or maybe not even, even internal things that happen in your life. So your response to things that happen in your life. Now... And doing my research for the show, I found this really interesting model around, you know, for those of you who aren't so optimistic, around a, a, a tool that you can use to become more optimistic. And I really like it. I found it on the internet and on this website, and uh, it's a really good model, and it's called ABCDE. I know it's pretty simple, but <laughs> but it's called ABCDE. And, and it's a way that you can train, for those of you listening to this right now who know that maybe you aren't that optimistic and would like to be a little bit more optimistic around things. Because the interesting thing around this is, is that this certain shift in attitude has a massively different outcome in the way you're going to experience your life. You know, going back to the piece I read earlier, optimistic people tend to be more successful and tend to do a lot more things just basically at the end of the day because when the opportunity presents itself, they kind of think that they can make it work. So really, if we can learn that skill of seeing the opportunity in the optimistic light, then there's a higher chance we're going to move towards you know this and, and experience you know, a high level of success in our life and, and what's important to us. So I'm going to talk you through this model of ABCD and um, ABCDE actually, and it's a really interesting model, and it goes and goes into a little bit deeper into around what I am. So what I've been talking about. So first thing it kind of talks about. First of all, you have a and A represents the idea of adversity in your life. So something happens, and in this way, it talks a lot. This this model that I'm talking about kind of works for the pessimistic person. And later on the show, I am going to talk a little bit to the optimistic person around some of the things that we need to be aware of. Too, you know, you know, because it's not all good when you're optimistic. But the first thing is adversity. Actually, I'm going I'm to share a, an experience because I've been using this model for some of my clients recently, and I'm going to share this this experience with one of my clients that I've had, and um, and I've got permission from them, so it's all good. I've, I've got a client who I'm I'm so proud of. Um, my client has been bulimic for over 20 years and bulimic in a way we've kind of been doing it all the time consistently pretty much you know day in day out for over 20 years of their life and you know they came to me and they really wanted to overcome this thing that was such a big area of their life that was really kind of made them feel bad about themselves and we've been working really hard for the last kind of four or five months to get them to change this massive behavior shift in their life like massive you know, when you're doing a behaviour 
like that, A, it's not making you feel good about yourself, but when it's installed in yourself and in the habit for so long, it's such a big shift to break. And over the last period of time, we've been working really hard, doing a lot of work around how to overcome this behavior. And um, I'm so proud of the work this person has done. And I'm so proud of how well they've done. Like when we first started out, you know, which is literally probably five or six months ago, it was still a, you know, pretty regular occurrence. I, prob- I don't know exactly how often, but pretty much, you know, kind of daily kind of occurrence. And then in the last kind of three months, it's probably happened twice. So, you know, massive, massive shifts. And there's lots of things, lots of strategies that we've put in place to make this person be successful around what they are doing to overcome this lifetime habit. But one of the things that we did learn through this experience, and uh, as I talk about this model, this model seems to be really working really well for this person. So I'm going to use the, the example of how this person takes on certain situations and how her kind of pessimistic view has restricted her in the past. And then I, I hopefully will give you a bit more insight into how this is going to make you know, for those people who kind of understand that pessimistic side, how this kind of tool of ABCDE can be a really powerful tool to make you shift your focus and shift your your mind towards a better place. So first of all, adversity. So the A represents adversity. And adversity represents, um, and, and I'll use the example, is that my client would probably jump on the scales and the scales would not represent the weight that they wanted to sit in. So let's just use the example, this isn't real world, but let's just say that my client wanted to sit at, you know, 80 kg. And when they jumped on the scales, they sat on and it was 83 kgs. So an adversity has suddenly happened. Now, then we look at what does the letter B represent? Now, the letter B represents the belief you have around this. So for my client... When they jumped on the scale and 83 kg, when you know 80 represented success, the belief was, I am fat and I suck. The belief around the adversity was that I am fat and I suck. They're explaining to themselves why this is happening. It's happening because I'm a bad person. I, I can never get control of myself. I lack discipline. You know, everyone else is better than me. You know, it's the belief that they sit in when they have the adversity. And some would argue, if we're looking at optimistic and pessimistic, that's obviously a pretty pessimistic view of themselves in that situation. Then, if we look at this model here, the next letter represents consequences. Now, the consequences are what are the consequences of the belief that they have? based on the adversity. So the adversity is I jump on the scales, I want to be 80 kg, I look at the scales and suddenly I'm 83 kg. My belief is I'm fat and lazy and I suck. What are the consequences of me having those thoughts? Okay, well I'll probably feel stressed, I'll probably feel low esteem, I'll probably feel an emotional response that isn't healthy for me, there may be a sense of depression, So it's taking me down a very, very slippery slope at a rapid pace. Then on top of that, if we actually look at what are the consequences of those emotional places, well, I doubt that most people who are feeling stressed and and depressed and and emotionally kind of bad about themselves are going to make healthy decisions around moving forward. And and I'm actually going to talk to this a little bit later on. There's lots of kind of going through my head right now. But, um, you know, being hard on yourself actually tends to lead towards behaviors that we aren't happy with 
So, you know, if the adversity is the scales, the belief is that I'm fat and I've got no control, then the consequences is a sense of negative self that then leads to behaviours that aren't very good. So then we start to move into D. And D is where we're trying to really shift the the behaviour or the view that we've brought into it. So the pessimistic view is that I'm fat and lazy or fat and got no control. So D stands for disputing. Disputing the belief. In this moment, your role is to look at your belief and spend time disputing why you think it's wrong. If we look to the example, well, all of us have, have an optimal weight that we like to sit in, or you know, a look that we like to have. You know, sometimes it goes a little bit wayward. Now, the person with the pessimistic view, and uh, the example I'm using here, if they're, if they're three kg over, suddenly it's the end of the world, and their belief is actually not really representative of the facts that they're in. Like, okay, if you're 83 kg and the goal, and you know your happy place is 80 kg, from my optimistic view, I would say, well, that's actually not that bad. You know, some good dieting, doing some exercise, you know, some good kind of habits around, you know, health. You could lose 3 kg healthily in about six weeks, five to six weeks. So you're actually pretty close. But this person's belief makes it seems like the whole world is being turned upside down. So then what we do is we think about this pattern of A, B, C, D, is that your job is to then look at your beliefs and dispute why your beliefs are wrong. It's almost like you have to consciously step outside of your mind and yourself and look upon what you're bringing to this situation and then looking at what are those consequences of that. I jump on the scales, I feel overweight, I think I'm fat and lazy then I, the consequences are I get this emotional downward spiral which makes me you know, eat for comfort or not go out and exercise because I feel bad about myself and sit up and watch TV all night knowing I should go to bed but just staying there watching because I'm leading to inaction. But if we can go back and in that moment that once you've figured out that your belief is wrong, if you can dispute that, then you actually spend time looking at your belief and trying to see why it is putting you off track. So, so then the question becomes, how do you dispute? There's a few different, a few different kind of strategies you can put in place here. First of all, is, is trying to eliminate emotion from the situation. So you can look at the situation, actually just write down the facts. Okay, I have put on 3 kg, I'm 3 kg over my goal weight. How long would it take to lose 3 kg? Well, if I went to a personal trainer and, and I got a good place set up, realistically I could probably lose that in around six weeks if I remain disciplined. So are you fat? No, I'm a little bit overweight. And and this is an important part that you also have to be realistic around where you are. So as you're disputing it, acknowledge where you are. Acknowledge, you know what, I'm 3kg off where I want to be. Does that mean that I'm fat and lazy? No, it, it probably represents that I'm just letting a couple little bad habits come into my life. But if I can sharpen up on those habits, I can be more successful. So to, to, to acknowledge where the real weakness is, but to see what the real weakness is, not to blow it out of proportion. Another strategy, if you're really in that emotional place around your belief, is just to distract yourself from the moment, to, to pull yourself away from the moment. And, you know, if you're feeling like you're just sitting there in this place where you're emotionally, the belief is telling you you're fat and lazy, then to do something completely different and to go back to it later on.
another strategy is to to look to previous successes. Have I been able to lose three kgs in the past? Yes, I have. How was I able to do that? What you're trying to do in this dispute period is you're really trying to be a lot more realistic around the beliefs and set up what we go into E, and E represents the idea of being energized. Because if we can shift your belief, then the consequences of that belief is going to be more optimistic. So if we go back right to the start, the adversity is I jump on the scales, I'm 3kg of what I think is a happy weight. Because I'm pessimistic in mind, I tend to blow that out of proportion into a belief which says that I'm fat and lazy. The consequences of that say that you know, I get into an emotional place where I beat myself up, I start to feel a little bit depressed, which then means I eat more food, I go for comfort foods, I tend to get less active, and I go with this downward spiral. I recognise I'm in this place, so I go to dispute this, and I sit down and I spend some time coming up with evidence, coming up with um, previous experiences, distracting my mind off the emotional place, and spending time just actually disputing what it is, so that I shift the belief that I have from that situation. So then when I look back and I can go, okay, well, I am 3kg overweight, so I'm basing it on evidence. I can also be take a little bit of responsibility for where I'm at. That has happened because I'm still eating too much chocolate at work during day. So that's definitely something I need to improve on. Does that mean that I'm fat and lazy? No. It means that I have a couple habits I need to sharpen up on. What I will do to then sharpen up on those habits is to not take chocolate to my work, to ring my personal trainer up again to get back in some exercise and give myself some other rewards around these good, doing some good behaviours in this area. So by sitting down and disputing my belief, I've totally shifted the consequences that will then come with that belief. So no longer do I feel fat and lazy, I can see that I have a couple bad habits, I can shift that, my consequences are, you know what, I have a little bit of an area where I struggle, but I can overcome this, and I can do it with these behaviours, which then makes me feel E, which represents energised. Now what's been really interesting with my client is, um, uh, you know, this is only one strategy we've used in many, and obviously it's working really well, and and they'll be the first person to admit that it's it's not easy, and, and I always talk to my client around the idea that that their thinking is a skill set and that you know the skill set they had for 20 years where they had this behavior that was not good for them it's still they're still going to overcome that so it's a practice skill and, and all the strategies we've used we've we've really kind of okay this is a this is we're going something we're going to trial and if it works we want to practice and right now you're level one and you've got these level skill, level 10 skills and thinking in bad areas, but we're going to shift it and slowly that scale is going to tip. And, and obviously it's going really well for my clients. So, you know, like it's so rewarding for me but, and, and what they're doing is really great as well. But as much as my client is, is still very much a beginner at this skill, it's been really interesting talking to them around how effective it is at, at making that belief stage so much more different you know when they jumped on the scale in the past if it didn't hit that mark that they were happy with their belief stage would take them towards consequences that were just such a downward spiral but by implementing this a b c d e strategy they are changing the belief phase into a more optimistic view which helps them to be more realistic around it which then leads to better consequences which makes them more energized towards healthier behaviors 
one thing we've really worked on with my client is learning the triggers early. What does it mean? Well, when we think about the adversity, and I know I'm obviously not speaking to the people who are more optimistic right now, but you know, if you are someone who's listening to this and it's really kind of hitting home for you, is learning how you normally respond to adversity. So if we think of the A and the A, B, C, D, E model, adversity hits, I jump on the scales, I feel 3 kg overweight. Now, if you know that jumping on the scales may bring up adversity a lot, you need to know that then I need to go to my strategy as soon as possible. So what we've been doing with my client is, and again, as we think of the skill thing, that we want them to go to the ABCD model as soon as possible as adversity hits. Because history says that their belief tends to be more pessimistic and more polarizing towards consequences that makes them go downhill that if we can get the D and E happening earlier, we're going to change that belief section after adversity to a more optimistic view, which will lead to better consequences, which will lead them more energised. So if you are listening to this and you feel this is a model you can add, the next step is, you know, look at the model, the adversity, belief, consequences, dispute and energise, the next thing you want to do is to implement it as soon as you know adversity is struck and your beliefs are going wrong. So again, with my client, we have it so that they have a pen and paper beside them at their work desk. You know, you, you may know there's certain situations where your pessimistic view is going to come on more. You know, you may know that when you walk into a gym that you're going to look at all the other people, you know, that, that's adversity for you and your belief is you're the most overweight person there and that everyone else is really fit. And, you know, if you maybe even then you sit down on your phone, you just tap out your ABCDs and, and your notepad on your phone, then you can be more realistic and more optimistic, which, which will take you towards better outcomes. But to me, the more you can practice this skill, this ABCDE, the more you can implement this in your life for those people who aren't so optimistic, the much higher chance you're going to have of having a view of the world that's going to help you move towards the better version of yourself. For the people who are optimistic, I suppose the lesson of today's show, and you've probably listened to this kind of feeling like you're patting on your bass off on the back, and I suppose the lesson of today's show is to learn when your optimism is actually harmful to you. And I, and I know for myself that is definitely something I've worked on and something I could probably still work on. I know um, that I, I tend to bring stress on other people's lives because I'm so blasé about things. And and at times I need to actually stop and go, actually what their view brings value to me because I don't see some of the downfalls of my thinking because maybe I'm a bit too optimistic and and you know for me one of my strategies is to be surround myself with people who do challenge my optimistic view at times in, in ways that is productive and good and so um, for me it's learning to listen to that that's probably the biggest challenge of it because um, <laughs> this makes me sound like I always think I'm right <laughs> which maybe I do but, but I hope I don't but um, but you know like the, you know for the optimistic person is where does your optimism sometimes be too optimistic and make you take unnecessary risks that with a bit of self-reflection can make you be a lot more healthier? I designed this show because I was very, very inspired by that, that sentence in 
that I read early on about the idea of giving your child one gift. And for the people who are listening who feel optimistic, you know, I'm sure you probably feel pretty lucky that you have, you have this way installed in you. It's not to mean that you, it's the only way to live a happy life and doesn't mean that it's perfect or anything, but it seems to be that there's, there's some good that comes with it. But if you are one of those people who are less optimistic or, or maybe even very pessimistic, there are ways that you can overcome this. And it is a skill set of thinking that you can improve on. And it's a skill set of thinking that can open you up to possibilities in your life and yourself that could be very, very rewarding. If I go back to my idea of a lot of thinking is just a skill and that most people have developed, or a lot of people have developed, bad thinking skills, if you can understand that and you're willing to, to recognise that maybe you're only grade 1 out of 10 when it comes to optimism, but you're also willing to commit to developing some skills like A, B, C, D, E and work to up that ladder of going grade 2, grade 3, grade 4 up to, to becoming, having this, this pattern of thinking in your life that when you hit adversity you just go straight to it, then your view of the world is going to shift to a more optimistic view. And if anything, if you get good at that, I'd argue that maybe you'd be better than the naturally optimistic person because you're probably better at risk management than that person. But it will take work. And it won't happen overnight like the, like the ad says. It will take work and it will be a habit you'll need to install in your life. But it will be a habit that gives the return on investment that will be absolutely massive that ultimately, as I always tend to end these shows, will help you be a better version of yourself. Right, guys, so that's pretty much uh, this month's show. It's, um, yeah, interesting show. Interesting show. It's, it's, yeah, I hope you got value from it, and I hope you... Um, yeah, I hope you did. I'll be interested to see the feedback I get. Um, you guys are always really great at giving me feedback on the shows and uh, you know, letting me know what you think. And, and definitely if you're someone who do, do feel that you're a little bit more on that pessimistic side and, and you are willing to work at you know, developing the skill of you know, one, this is only one tool and to be honest there's probably many more. It's just, you know, I'm sure there's lots more but if you can commit to just spending a bit of time developing this I'll be interested to see some feedback on it so uh, let me know. I have I have created a workbook and that is up on the website right now so you can go to bevanjamesisles.com you can buy the little workbook there. It's only $3 US and uh, I always say less than a cup of coffee and, um, and I also really get lots and lots of good feedback on the workbooks. People seem to really enjoy getting them and working through the topics. I, I do think it's always a good idea with the workbooks to just, just to find a space and maybe even listen to the show that you're doing the workbook on to just, you know, listen to it first and then just kind of go through the questions so that the thoughts are kind of right in the front of your mind as you're doing it. But this one will obviously be around the idea of you finding those times when adversity hits, putting that model in place and then kind of evolving that model and, and getting better and better at just, you know, learning to switch that on when you need to. Um, yeah. I, th I just thought I'd re read out just one or two emails. Um, again, you guys sent me through lots of good questions and I try my best to answer them all, but I'll just, um, I'm going to read one out. I'm just going to pull one up right now. 
And I got, I got a really lovely email from um, Brian Lafleur, and um, I think it's Lafleur. I haven't got his name here in front of me, but it's, it's Brian anyway. Brian, you know who you are, Brian. And uh, Brian is a listener of my other podcast, I Am Talk, and um, he sent through an email based on last month's show, and, and he's it kind of really encapsulate what last month's show was all about. He just said, I want to shoot you an email to let you know that I much appreciate your fitness behavior, your latest fitness behavior podcast. It's funny how relevant it is to me at this exact moment in my life. Now, for those of you who haven't listened to last month's show, it was kind of around the idea of living life for experiences that we are much more enriched in life when we kind of step towards experience. Um, as I mentioned through uh, to you through IM Talk, my wife and I are walking from Mexico to Canada along the Pacific Crest Trail. Over the last few, last few days, I've listened to all the episodes starting back from number one as I hiked. Finally, yesterday, I got to the most recent about talking about new challenges and how life seems to slow down when you do that. Well, I can certainly vouch for that right now. We decided to do this hike with absolutely no hiking or camping experience, and every day we're learning something new. The things we've seen and the people we've met have made every day epic in some way. Every day we wake up and there's a lot of unknown, a lot of binge that we have to deal with and a lot of decisions to make. So different than the routine of everyday life. Always, I just wanted to say I'm appreciating the stuff that you put out there and I'm still keeping up with the other two podcasts also. So I think I remember Brian sent us an email on I Am Talk a while ago and uh from what I remember, that this was like that, like a six-month trek, and I just basically going from Mexico to Canada or throughout America. I'm not exactly sure of the route, but obviously on the Pacific side of America, and uh, like that's that's taken last month's show to the extreme. But imagine that life experience, like you know, obviously for him and his wife, what an, what a, an amazing experience to share together. But wow, I, you got to be kind of envious of that, and and I always love people who kind of. Have, have the balls really to in life just to say bugger it we're going to do this this massive thing so um yeah it's kind of nice to know that you heard this show and i'm sure you really self-identified with it as as you're walking along that trail so thanks for sending it through brian it's really great and, and i'm sure lots of the other listeners around the world right now are kind of listening and, and kind of being inspired by what you're doing so keep it up mate it's pretty great you have to send us through a report when you're finished I also got another email for here. I don't know if this person will want their name written read out, so I'm just going to kind of read it to you. But it's just kind of, kind of another nice email. I would like to thank you for your podcast. I initially discovered via I am talk. I, I do this triathlon one, which is kind of completely different to this. And uh, but if you like triathlon, you might want to listen to it. Um, he's competing in his first Ironman in December. Uh, anyway, your podcast and approach to fitness and life are really helping me. I'm 37 years old and suffering anxiety and low self confidence. When it comes to fitness and what you talk about in your fitness podcast is really helping me build my belief in myself for life and for the challenges I take on. Last year I rode from my hometown of Adelaide to Melbourne 1200 k's in eight days for charity. Well just aside from that that's absolutely mind-blowing but also lost my father to heart disease at the same time so I lost my way a little. I decided to turn my approach to life upside down and enter Western Australian Ironman, but this in itself has challenged my self-belief and anxiety, but I am persisting with my training, such as I did in my first ever half marathon the other week. Anyway, I just want to say thank you for sharing your passion, it's making a difference. So uh, you, you know who you are, and uh, again, you're doing impressive stuff guys, and uh, yeah, you guys just keep blowing me away with what you guys are doing. So 
You know, I think I'll pretty much wrap it up. If you do want to send me through any questions or any emails, um, I'm not sure if I have any more questions to talk about this month, but I think I've probably gone on long enough, so I'll maybe leave those ones till next month. But if you do want to send me through any questions, you can go to my website. That's bevanjamesisles.com. Help me spread the word by just telling your friends and family about the show. And uh, iTunes feedback is really great. For some reason, iTunes are really great to the show, but uh, the more feedback you put on there, the more it just helps to get the word out there. And... Uh, yeah, hopefully have a good month. I've actually, halfway through the show, I shifted a day forward and it's actually the next day and I'm, I'm back in my lounge. So, And my partner's trying to be quiet in the background right now, Joe. She's kind of hiding in the background because she gets too noisy. So I need to wrap up the show. But anyway, guys, I'll be back next month. And uh, I was talking about earlier in the show around what I'll talk about next month. And um, I think it's going to be a pretty big show next month. So I'll see you then. Thanks for your time, guys. Have a great month. Um.